Well, what up, Square Circle Podcast fans? Thank you for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and this is a special episode because while I just go over New Japan Pro Wrestling and Major League Wrestling, this podcast episode is going to go over AEW because there was like two things that I find annoying. And then we could talk about the overall of AEW and the state that it is in. And then I'm going to be answering some questions from my fans. If you're not following me on Twitter, follow me at Maria underscore shadows to make sure that you can get your question answered on my podcast. Just make sure to follow my tweets. But first, some housekeeping notes. So as you know, I am with Anchor.fm and recently I no longer have their sponsorship because my beginning podcast episodes for season three made at least 400 plays. So that added on to the total number of plays, which has been 5,000 plus plays. Again, thank you for listening to the Square Circle Podcast, wherever you are in the world and whatever major platform you are listening to this podcast on. And so Anchor has a impressions per click sort of deal going on when they give you an Anchor sponsorship. So I hit that threshold number and I no longer have a sponsorship that would have continued to give me ad revenue. So I no longer have ad revenue. So what you guys can definitely do is that head over to my Kofi page, www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows and get yourself a membership tier that says support the Square Circle podcast, which is $12 a month. And you get bonus episodes, including one like this, where I want to talk about the state of professional wrestling, any type of wrestling news that is worthy, and definitely answer your questions. Or if you do not want to do that, it is totally up to you. Anchor.fm allows you to give me listener support. So what that is, is that you choose an amount and you get to pay that every single month. The way to do that is if you go to anchor.fm forward slash squared circle podcast forward slash support, you could definitely do it like that through the link or you could definitely do it through the Anchor app, or if you're listening to it on the desktop, there is a little button that says support with a dollar sign. Click on that and you can support me that way every single month. Every single support goes into the Square Circle podcast. And that helps me get a website so I can showcase all of my creative skills behind the scenes, whether that's writing an article for professional wrestling, putting up these podcast episodes up there, creating private watch-alongs, creating private live streams where we talk about wrestling and have a good time and have a good party together as a community. There's so much that I want to do, but first, I need my own website. So there's ways for you to try to help me out to get that. Plus, having my own website can help me get booked faster for commentary gigs, maybe becoming a booker idea person for certain companies that want to think outside the box and have a breath of fresh air when it comes to their wrestling events. So again, you can support me by either going to the support page on anchor.fm or you could go to www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows. 
It is totally up to you. No pressure. But if you enjoy all of my work and you enjoy all of my wrestling takes, then by all means, it is encouraged to just support. Another thing, too, is that I have been releasing my wrestling novel in progress over on Amazon. I am testing out Kindle Vela. So if you guys have an Amazon account and would like to read my wrestling novel in progress, again, message me over on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows, and I will gladly give you the link. I have been a little too shy to just put it up on Twitter. I have, if you've been noticing, and I also put it in my newsletter. But yeah, as much as I am proud of writing the first three chapters and continuing on and loving what I'm doing, I should be proud enough to scream it at the top of my lungs. But if you really want to read it, every single link that I have said in this audio podcast will be in the show notes down below. So don't worry, you don't have to pause to write it down. It will be in the show notes. This one on Amazon, the link is way too long. So that's going to be in the show notes. But just know that I have released the first three chapters of that wrestling novel in progress. And it really feels good to have author in parentheses on Amazon. So it's really cool. The last thing for housekeeping notes is that I have put my podcast up on two different networks. I have added it to Amazon Music. So if you guys are a fan of Amazon, aside from reading books and purchasing things, and if you love music, you can definitely find the Square Circle podcast on Amazon Music, which I'm excited for more ears to hear what I have to say about professional wrestling. So again, if you find it on Amazon Music, let me know, tag me, go listen to it. It's up on Amazon Music. I have recently joined the Rad Rob Radio Network. So if you are a member of Spreaker, and if you enjoy his podcast along with the other podcasts that he has on the network, then by all means, continue to support the network, continue to support me, and I'll be here all day talking about wrestling. So I am really excited about these journeys that I'm telling you about. Thank you all for your continued support. It really means the world to me. So last night was AEW Dynamite. They were in Cleveland, Ohio. And as of this recording, it is January 27th, 2022. So yesterday's date was January 26th, 2022. That's for the record. That's all. So I saw the MJF and CM Punk promo. And MJF certainly won this promo battle. MJF has been winning most of the promo battles against CM Punk. And I know that People who have listened to me before on other podcasts know why I do not like CM Punk anymore. So you guys will probably call me biased in this whole thing. Which is okay. And if any comments get left about me being biased, I am not losing sleep over it because I just feel the way that I feel and still think that CM Punk should have gave us an apology for the way that he left WWE, the way that he buried other wrestlers, the way that he almost tanked 
Copabana's podcast and basically everyone that has supported him, including myself, basically just got thrown under the bus as if like that support didn't really matter, didn't really care. You know, we could go around in a loop and I'll be blue in the face because people just don't want to understand the reason why I don't like CM Punk and how he decided to handle it. Now, in that promo, he really did say that the best thing he ever did, the best decision he ever did was leaving. And granted, yeah, that probably was the best decision for you to do. But then again, if you felt that there was some sort of sickness overtaking you and you caught a staph infection, why didn't you try to at least get a second opinion rather than listening to a WWE doctor? I think that people have this preconception of what Vince actually is and like how he acts around certain people. And if he doesn't like you, he might end up treating you like shit. But if CM Punk would have went to Vince McMahon and told him, hey, I'm not trusting the word of your doctors. Can I at least get two days off to deal with whatever I feel is going on? Because I feel like the WWE doctor is not taking my word or taking me serious. Like he had all the time in the world to just talk to Vince and be like, hey, I might need two days off. Write me off a TV. Let me go into a medical facility to see if I really truly have a staph infection. It was confirmed later on that he did. But if he would have spoke up right there and then in a very respectful manner, then probably things would have been different. And he would not have the outcome of the way he left happened. But we're not going to get into what happened in the past. I just want to talk about how CM Punk has become everything that he despised in WWE. And now in AEW, he has the creative freedom to do what he wants, which, by the way, he has won every single one of his matches that hasn't really put over anybody else. And I know fans are like, oh, he's telling the story of can he still go in the ring? You know, he's pretty old, so he's having doubts and he wants to see if he can still go with the young guys. And my whole perspective is that you've been out of the wrestling business for seven years. Wrestling passed you by and there's no way that you can still compete with these young guys because these young guys have to go down to his level and his level is simple wrestling. It's not even complex wrestling. It's simple wrestling and it's copy and paste, basically copy and paste because that is the safety net that CM Punk does. And that's the easiest way to get all the fans behind him. And that's the easiest way to introduce nostalgia when people cry to WWE whenever they do nostalgia. But if AEW does nostalgia, then they get a pass. And when I say nostalgia is that sometimes the fans grasp as straws, especially when it was CM Punk versus Wardlow the previous week 
and Warlow is giving him powerbomb after powerbomb after powerbomb and even through a powerbomb through a table. And then with the last one, trying to get another powerbomb in, but CM Punk does a small package, which I have been saying for the longest that any type of roll-ups, small packages, they are the worst in professional wrestling because they come out of nowhere. However, the logic behind this makes no fucking sense. Anyway, it happens and then fans want to be like, oh, that's paying homage to Bret Hart and Diesel back in the day. And I'm like, no, Bret Hart back in the day when he did that to Diesel, he had a lot more muscle mass on him. Which makes sense for Bret Hart to lock in his legs on Diesel. However, Everyone wants to just post up that maybe three second, four second clip of that, but not what happened previously. Like, did Diesel do those power bombs to Bret Hart the same way that we saw Wardlow do the power bombs to CM Punk? If not, then it makes sense for the most technical wrestler in the business at the time, Bret Hart, to do that to Diesel and lock in his legs and get the win. However, in CM Punk's case, CM Punk doesn't have that much muscle mass. So, you know, there was no momentum either going with it. If there was like a little segment of some type of momentum being used and CM Punk took advantage of that and managed to get a small package win, a roll-off win, then yeah, I wouldn't be complaining about it. But because it was just dumb standing still, not really much, we can stretch the truth of because Warlow is tall and has all these muscles, that there goes my momentum. No, it doesn't work that way. Like, my suspense of disbelief is not really suspended. Anyway... Because of CM Punk's size, he is way smaller than Wardlow. He would not be able to lock his legs for that roll-up because his lower back has already been worked on with the eight power bombs. So how is that storytelling? Why couldn't there be a blemish on the perfect streak that CM Punk has been having ever since coming into AEW? So that way it can fuel the fire more between MJF and CM Punk and also MJF and Wardlow. Because imagine if there was some type of blemish on there and Wardlow gets the victory with that blemish, right? He could definitely use it against MJF when they eventually split. I personally want to see MJF win against CM Punk. Just because I don't like CM Punk and MJF is a rising star and I want to see rising stars be made, especially when they can carry the company for 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. CM Punk is on his last legs. What is he going to do? His whole nostalgia thing is basically coming off. And so this is where Tony Khan has to think smart. Are you going to allow the one hit wonder CM Punk to continue to have a winning streak that's not really helping your younger guys and who's going to be leaving soon because he's going through storylines so quickly 
that it's like, yo, slow down. Are you here for long term or are you here for short term? And it really feels like he's here for short term because if you think about it, Warlow is getting a push in this by association. But where's the push for Will Hobbs? Will Hobbs had to job to CM Punk after Will Hobbs put CM Punk through the announcers table that one night. Where is he again? He's back on dark doing the same thing over and over. So I guess that maybe WWE should say that they're interested in Will Hobbs. So that way Will Hobbs could get a push the same way that Warlow is getting a push. Again, that's no disrespect to Warlow, but it's just the concept. The weird things that happen in AEW, depending on what the internet wrestling community does and how they shift and how they basically praise AEW and praise certain wrestlers, but don't want everyone else to get a fair share. Like, it's weird. Anyway, the promo battles would have been interesting if there would have been a blemish on CM Punk's record, his overall record, and I'm including last year's. So I'm not following the rankings. I'm just saying that with all of his wins, if this blemish would have happened, Warlow would have had the firepower needed to help progress his eventual split from MJF. But we didn't get that. Warlow had to suffer a loss to someone who is doing an old man Logan story who copy and pastes from other wrestlers and is very much loved, but yet then don't see the hypocrisy in punk. But cool. You guys might be wondering, what is this copy and pasting I keep talking about? So during their promo, last night's promo, MJF was winning, CM Punk wasn't. And then the beatdown happened and MJF sat on CM Punk the same way that Kenta would sit on anyone he takes out. So both men will sit on someone's chest with their legs crossed and throw up a pose or just laugh very evilly. Now, I know that MJF probably did not come up with this just on the grounds of MJF never really copying anyone else. The only thing that I would say that MJF copies is the style and manner of how he does his promos. The style and manner of how he approaches a wrestling match, which is very 80s, 90s like as a heel. But that's totally fine because mostly everyone has their own way of approaching how to do a promo and how to approach a match. It's the blatant copying that I have a problem with because everyone thinks that CM Punk came up with the GTS. CM Punk came up with the Anaconda Vice. Well, while you can argue with me that every move is taken, every move is copied, but if you know specific wrestlers in this business that have been doing specific finishing moves, it is not for you to take and to get it over here in America. You could have tweaked it a little bit, but let's face it, even his Pepsi plunge is a version of the pedigree. So for years, there's been this invisible, unspoken feud between CM Punk and Kenta because 
Kenta does a phenomenal go to sleep. And I guess because when CM Punk was in WWE and he couldn't use the Pepsi plunge, he had to come up with something different. But instead of going back to the basics and getting into a ring and training with somebody and try to come up with something original that screams what CM Punk should be original, he went to go take something off of Kenta. Kenta's been using that for years. It's the same way that in WWE, whenever Shawn Michaels was around and used his famous Sweet Chin music, and we all know it's a super kick, but no one in WWE dared to do a super kick as a finisher or even dare to do it at all. Like You rarely saw it. You might have saw maybe like Shane McMahon do it, but there may have been instances where Shawn Michaels wasn't there. The rule of thumb when it comes to doing wrestling moves as finishers, and this is very big in the indies, make sure that your finisher is not the same or similar to someone else because then you take away their shine. So if you know that Shawn Michaels finisher is the Sweet Chin Music, which is a super kick, be mindful and don't do a super kick in your match. If you know that someone's finisher is a shooting star press and they've been doing it years before you decided to really get into the business, don't do a shooting star press in your match. That's like the one invisible rule in wrestling. Don't try to do the finisher of someone else's if it's not really yours, if you haven't claimed it to be yours. It's the same way of you having an identity on social media with a pen name and the moment that someone tries to copy off of your pen name that you have for the last 10 years, wouldn't you be upset? So take that concept and apply it to the fact that CM Punk definitely took the GTS from Kenta. And CM Punk definitely took the Anaconda Vice from Tenzon. I already explained this in one of my previous podcast episodes. So if you want to go back and listen, that will be in the show notes as well. Also, let me add this to the conversation as well. If the move was passed down to you from the previous wrestler, that's totally fine because it was passed down to you. You did not take it upon yourself to try to do it and get it over in America. And he got it over in America. And that kind of hurt Kenta when Kenta came over to WWE and WWE basically said that you can't use it. They never gave Kenta a reason why he can't use it. And that's only because CM Punk was using it and that rule of thumb, like I was explaining earlier, applies in this situation for that. So Kenta really didn't get his big break in WWE because of the forces at hand. CM Punk being one of them and then also Kenta getting hurt. So I know that CM Punk probably ran this by MJF and said that it's going to look great, it's going to get you over, and there's going to be more sympathy on me, and let's do it. First of all, do not tease Kenta CM Punk, because you don't want it. You've been running away from Kenta ever since Kenta called you out and wanted to have a match with you. But you kept ducking him. You kept dodging him. But now you want to tease him with something that he does. And the saddest part is, is that everybody wants to be Bullet Club when they don't get the invitation. Everybody wants to copy off a of Bullet Club when they don't get the invitation. It's like, can you be any more unoriginal by copying something that's over in Japan to want to make it over here? 
Now, I would love to see MJF versus Kenta. The promos will be amazing. Kenta has the ability to be charming and very enthusiastic about whoever he faces in his feuds and to be very creative. MJF could definitely talk in the mic. He's very good. And then the wrestling ability just adds to it. So, yeah, one day I would love to see Kenta versus MJF. One day I would love to see Kenta versus CM Punk with CM Punk fucking losing. Because if Kenta loses, if Kenta loses, man, that is not going to be a good day. Like, Kenta is way more decorated than CM Punk and way more known. And I will continue to defend Kenta with everyone and anyone who disagrees with me. There's no convincing me otherwise. So yeah, CM Punk having MJF sit on him the same way that Kenta will sit on his fallen enemies is basically copy and paste. That's all CM Punk has been doing ever since he returned and feuded with the guys he's been feuding with. It's the simple wrestling basic tactic to get fans on his side and side with him that, yeah, he's good after being gone for seven years. He hasn't improved. There's nothing new about him. It's the same old shit, same old moves, same old punk. The only difference is that he's now being presented with a newer audience that don't like to watch anything else. That don't like to see what else is out there. And they attack People like myself and others who are very knowledgeable in this business because I'm talking bad about one of their favorites that they're learning and they don't really know much about. That's the thing with certain wrestlers in AEW. They can get away with newer fans because these fans are not going to do the research. Historians know the research already and so they're definitely going to bring it up and be like hey this was already done but again AEW gets a pass while WWE gets yelled at which you guys need to make it make sense but overall CM Punk is a copy and paste wrestler and to do that to mock Kenta but yet then keep dodging him when he's like hey let's have this match then yeah, Punk needs to learn his place and to stop doing that. If he's not going to honor a match for one night only and lose for that one night only, then don't tease Kenta a Bullet Club. By the way, don't tease Bullet Club at all. Bullet Club is super dangerous at this point. You have most of the American side of Bullet Club here in the United States. They can march onto AEW territory at any point and definitely destroy CM Punk. And if you guys do, I give you all high fives from New York City. I would love to be in the ring and celebrate with you guys when you take them out. But I'm poor and can't travel at the moment to cover professional wrestling. But yeah, don't tempt any member of Bullet Club. Bullet Club is still around for a good reason. And that's because they are the most dangerous stable around. So now that you know my thoughts about that, let's move on to the second thing that got me a little bit annoyed. 
Now, let me preface this by saying that I did not know that Tony Khan already had signed Danhausen to an AEW contract beforehand. However, the timing of everything just seems a little bit off. And if you're not asking questions and if you're not seeing the red flags being raised, then are you truly a AEW faithful that really wants them to succeed? I'm asking a legit question because everyone wants to say that these wrestlers are independent contractors. Yes, they are. If they are still on the indies and taking bookings every single month, filling up all of their dates, they are independent contractors. The moment you sign a contract with a major company like WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, you may be able to wiggle around and negotiate you being able to take indie bookings. I am excluding signings and seminars because those are fine. But wanting to accept indie bookings is a bit of a red flag, especially when you sign with a company, because that company should be sort of your safe haven, the one that's supposed to take care of you money wise, giving you TV time, giving you all these opportunities. But as we've been seeing, there's certain AEW wrestlers that are already putting up graphics that says that they are taking indie bookings. Now, I have heard that if they're not being used, then they're allowed to take indie bookings. And if there's nothing for them, then what's the point of sitting at home? I totally get that. But this is where the AEW faithful should be telling Tony Khan because he seems like he listens to them more than someone with logic that slow down with the signings. Just because you are a fan of them and they are the new shiny toy in the bunch doesn't mean that they will be a good fit for AEW, especially when you don't have a story to present to them. Like, it really feels like they call up somebody and they're like, hey, you're making great noise on Twitter. Why don't you come down to Jacksonville and sign this contract? And then they sign it because it's AEW, it's the alternative company, and bam, you're getting money either every appearance or like every week, but you're getting money coming in, guaranteed money. Rather than starving on the indies, wondering if the promoter is going to pay you or not, and wondering if bookings may fall through or not. So AEW is your safe haven, but it's doing a disservice to everybody because there are indie stars that have been putting in the work since day one and doing everything that needs to be done in order to get noticed. But yet then they're not getting picked up by AEW because they're not making much big of a noise. And the other guys that they have picked up, like Tony Nese, and Marco Stunt, and now they're asking for bookings, it sort of like takes away from the value of having a contract. It's like you have a cushy contract, but you still want more bookings. Yet then the indie guys are getting the short end of the stick. Because those indie guys who are still doing indies have to worry about where their next booking is coming from, where their next cash is coming from. If they don't have which to keep it sustainable 
But yet then AEW wrestlers are able to take more bookings because they are independent contractors. But you're kind of like taking money away from the indie wrestlers who have worked so hard because your rates just went up because you're an AEW superstar and you can be presented that way for this promotion that you got booked for. And that sort of lessens the pay that the unsigned indie worker that's still working the indies gets paid. The other red flag is that when Tony Khan signs certain wrestlers, now we know that there are established tiers Tier zero, all the way to tier four, I believe. And tier four is Jericho's type of contract. I would really love to see the details of a AEW contract just to see if these guys are getting paid well enough and getting paid their worth. If AEW allows you to keep the royalties from the action figures, the merch, and even allows you to open up your own Twitch account and start either gaming, talking to people, or whatever the case may be. Why do certain wrestlers feel the need to take bookings? AEW is already providing you with enough comfort, enough safety, that you shouldn't be going out there to take indie bookings and eventually maybe end up getting hurt because you're doing too much at this point. AEW has their wrestlers wrestling for Dark, Evelation, Dynamite, and Rampage. So certain wrestlers will be wrestling twice in one day. So that puts a strain on their body already. And then knowing that if they have upcoming dates right after filming for all those shows, the wear and tear is going to be more on their body. You sign with a company so that way your body can relax and you get into the routine of, all right, I need to show up here all these days and then I can have my rest days to be on Twitch and then I can have my other days to work out because it really seems like in AEW, everyone just takes a backseat to working out. I just wonder, when is AEW going to be having exclusive wrestlers wrestle for them? I know not everyone takes indie bookings, but eventually it's going to happen. I know that like Evil Uno was accepting indie bookings at one point. Other wrestlers were too, especially when they weren't used. Now, if you're not being used, you can always pitch your ideas. But if you're not good at pitching ideas or being a creative person, then you're always going to be like, oh, I'm taking indie bookings because all you know is how to wrestle. If you don't know how to do the entertainment part that well, you're not really going to get far. You're going to put on amazing matches, but if it comes time to do a promo with somebody, how are you really going to do it if you're not really too sure? So every single wrestler is different. And this is what Big Swell was talking about, that there are just certain wrestlers who don't know how to pitch their stories. And I've seen it too. And so that is why Tony Khan would need a writer's room so that way the writers can definitely help with the wrestlers who can't pitch their own story ideas and so that way they don't have to be like hey I'm accepting bookings now don't think that this little rant is me trying to stop them from making more money but I'm just raising the flag of why 
the timing of everything is so off. So Dan Housing gets signed. We see him at the end of Dynamite doing his very evil curse thing. Look, I don't get Dan Housen. And if you're a fan of Dan Housen, awesome. But I just don't get it. I don't get the hype. But he comes out, does his thing. And basically, I'm guessing he's going to be siding with Orange Cassidy for now. And then he's probably going to be thrown on dark so he can feud with the gun club and do this whole ass boy, not ass boy thing. And in the same breath of all that, the same day, if you didn't get the metaphor, Tony Nese basically is accepting bookings for indie seminars and signings. Again, I have no problem when wrestlers take signings and seminars, but if you're going to be signed to a major promotion, because we all call AEW a major promotion, even those articles call it a major promotion. So it has some type of weight to it. If you are signed with them, Again, why do you need to take indie bookings? Are you taking indie bookings so that way it could be a safety net? So you could get a little bit more money because Tony Khan is not giving you more money. And the fact that Tony Nese is wrestling on dark, undefeated on dark. Why wouldn't he talk to Tony Khan to be like, hey, I'm undefeated on Dark. I want to go on to Dynamite or Rampage so that way the world can see what he's doing. And so that way trolls don't have to tell him stupid shit and reply to whatever he's tweeting about. Like sometimes I question what really goes on because if you're serious about being in the wrestling business and getting signed by a major wrestling company... You know, you can calmly talk to management and be like, hey, you see my record. I want to do more. I want to push the company to new limits and I want to be selfless and I want to wrestle more. I want people to see me more. Or if you want to pitch an idea, go pitch an idea. But don't be like, hey, I'm taking bookings. And then when a troll gets upset and fires back or a fan gets upset and fires back, your answer is you've been undefeated on dark. Well, if you've been undefeated on dark, don't you think that you should probably be talking to Tony Khan to move up? It's not WWE where like somebody is going to stop you and that may or may not be Vince, but it may be one of his underlings so to speak, that may be like, oh, no, we see you here because you have the good look and stuff. At least Tony Khan will probably hear you out. So again, it's just the timing of everything that makes it seem like something weird is going on. And if we want to put this into real world perspective, if you happen to work for a fast food restaurant and you call yourself an independent worker, or an independent contractor. Are you allowed to go work for Burger King or Wendy's when you are a McDonald's employee? Like, do you think that hop would work? No, it wouldn't. Because you decided to sign with one company and should basically be building the brand of that company onto you or the manager comes to terms and they release you or you just decide to quit and then you're able to go do what you got to do 
you're an independent contractor until you sign for the big one. And if you have the wiggle room and the approval to having your contract that you are able to take indie bookings. I do not think that everyone should take indie bookings, especially if AEW is trying to grow. Now, you might say if the AEW wrestlers go to different promotions, they may bring back some fans. While that may be true, but the percentage is going to be small. And again, the same people that watch Dark are not going to be watching Dynamite or Rampage. The same people that watch Dark Evelation, they're not going to be watching Dynamite or Rampage. And the same goes on reverse. Those who watch Dynamite are not going to go on YouTube to watch Dark or Evelation because not everyone lives on YouTube. Not everyone lives. Oh my God, I have to watch that wrestling match on YouTube. No one really does that in reality. There might be a couple handfuls of people who do that, but the casual fan, the more majority of the fans don't really do that. And no one really goes back to be like, oh, that was an awesome match because AEW moves so fast that the lifespan of dark and dark evelation doesn't get to breathe, doesn't get to blossom and we're on to the next and there needs to be a slowdown period with AEW. If not, eventually it's going to crash and burn. So yeah, those are my two rants. CM Punk being the copy and paste wrestler. And the red flags of Tony Khan keeps signing wrestlers just as quickly as wrestlers are asking for indie bookings. And now, the last part of this podcast episode is to answer... The question from Mike Thunder, who is the leader of the Mike World Order. His question is as follows. With COVID affecting certain tournaments, how do you feel about New Japan Pro Wrestling bringing in Japanese wrestlers from other promotions, especially since it looks like a deal is in the works with Gleet, which would help their junior division? First of all, thank you for that lovely question, Mike. I'll get to your answer in a moment. For everyone else that is listening to this, you can also ask your question too. Make sure to at me at Marie underscore shadows. So that way I can answer your question in these bonus episodes of the podcast. Just so you know, this podcast is going to be on all major platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, even on Spreaker, joining the Rad Rob Radio Network, as well as Amazon Music. So again, if you want to ask your question to be included in the next episode, just at me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. Or join the 99 cents tier over at www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadows. All right, so here is the answer. I really enjoy when New Japan Pro Wrestling brings in other wrestlers from other promotions and vice versa, because it's supposed to be about creating amazing moments, amazing memories, and giving the regular New Japan roster something fresh and something new to fight for. So I really enjoy that if they want to bring in more NOAA guys 
over to fight LIJ. That's great too. The New Japan roster can only fight each other for so long before it becomes stale because there's not enough gaijin over there because most of them are over here. And that's just due to COVID lockdown restrictions in Japan since they had to go back on a small mini lockdown and then they'll be fine. They're going to be having their regular scheduled programming back up in February. So it should be okay. But other than that, I really do want to see more dream matches between different companies different wrestlers and if a deal is being made with gleet that is amazing because i watched an event where they had show being the representative for new japan pro wrestling to fight in one of their uwf style rules which was really amazing because again you guys know that i love technical more than i love high flying and so if that's the case if this deal is being done I would love to see Hanare and the Great Okan do some UWF match style rules in a Gleet ring or either in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But the sky's the limit and I definitely want to see this happen. I want to see these dream matches. So yes, I really do think that it's very helpful to have other guys from other promotions come over being these tournaments just so that way we could get something fresh and new and new stories can come about. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of my podcast episode. I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and sort of got a different perspective on the rant and why I was ranting and the bigger picture, the concepts, everything. And if you enjoyed this from me, you can definitely support me even further. So again, everything that I say here is going to be down in the show description. But the main thing is that wherever you get your podcast from, make sure to tell a friend, just retweet it, share it, tag me, let me know your thoughts. The more that is shared, the more people that will be able to listen to it. And then if you want to take it even further, I do have a T public store open with merchandise and I do have an affiliate link. If you guys want to be so kind to buy some merch, that link will be down in the show description as well. If you guys want to take it a step further where you go over to my Kofi page and treat it like a Patreon and get a membership tier, that'll be great. My goal is to get a website. That link is going to be down in the description below. If you want to read my wrestling novel in progress, that link is going to be down in the description below. It is currently on Amazon Kindle Velo. And also, this podcast episode will be on Amazon Music. So if you love Amazon, the Square Circle Podcast will be there too. Marie Shadows will be there too. Amazon basically has my soul, guys. And then if you are a member of Spreaker and a fan of Rad Rob, I am on his radio network. So this will be on Spreaker as well. I do want to thank everyone and anyone that listens to this podcast from around the world. And there's only more to come. In the upcoming episodes, you'll hear me talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling's Strong Nemesis show, as well as the MOW Azteca shows. 
and anything else I want to talk about. So again, if you want your questions answered, make sure to at me at Maria underscore shadows over on Twitter or sign up at the 99 cents tier over on the Kofi page. Any support is valued and appreciated. And I love you guys so much for all the support. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys in the next one.